1: You're listening to 3 in 30 Takeaways for Moms, and this episode is sponsored by Vionic Shoes, wearable well-being for your feet. Winter is here, and you know what that means, at least for me here in the mountains of Idaho. Chilly winds, snow-covered streets, and the need for the perfect winter footwear. Vionic Shoes has got us covered this winter with the ultimate blend of style, warmth, and comfort. I'm loving my Brighton boots in black, especially because they feature Vionic's innovative VioMotion technology— so they are as supportive as they are adorable. And don't forget their cozy slippers. If you need something supportive to keep you comfortable while you're hibernating at home, slip into the Arlette mule slipper or the Carlin slipper while you're making your morning coffee or watching TV at night. These would be a great gift to ask for for the holidays or to gift to another mom that you love. If you want to try Vionic shoes for yourself, use code 3IN30 at checkout. For 15% off your entire order at www.bionicshoes.com when you log into your account. That's code 3 and 30 at checkout for 15% off your entire order at VIONICShoes.com. One-time use only at Bionic Bionicshoes. Wearable well-being for your feet. Welcome to 3 and 30, a podcast to help you feel more like yourself within your motherhood. Each 30-minute episode features three actionable takeaways to help you become a more self-assured mom, someone who knows yourself, honors your needs, and loves your people. Listen in to feel encouraged as we learn together how to overcome overwhelm and find more magic in motherhood. I'm your host, Rachel Nielsen. I'm so glad you're here. The old saying goes that moms shouldn't be allowed to get sick because it's nearly impossible to take care of our families when we aren't feeling well ourselves. But unfortunately, moms do get sick, sometimes very sick, for long periods of time. When that happens, what's a mom supposed to do so she can care for herself and her children? Today's guest, Amy Larry, has some hard-won and very wise advice for us on this topic, as she was diagnosed with cancer when she had four children under eight years old. She says she had to learn how to parent from the couch for a year or two, And many moms might find themselves in a similar position, whether they're battling physical illness or even mental illness that leaves them operating with less energy and capacity for a time. You can still be an incredibly good mother, even if you are a couch mother, as Amy calls it. And today's takeaways will give you some ideas for how to make this time a bit more manageable for you. So let's dive right in. Here's my conversation with Amy Larry. Amy, welcome to 3 and 30. I am just thrilled to talk to you today.
0: Yeah, thanks for having me.
1: (laughs) Well, this is a really personal, tender topic for me. I don't know how much of my personal story you know, but my mother had breast cancer from the time that I was six until she passed away when I was 19. And she went in and out of remission many times. And even when she was well, she wasn't well because of the impact that chemo and all the treatments had had on her body. So she just often had a lot of weird health stuff going on people hear that and they just think, oh, you must have had such a sad childhood. And I'm like, no, not at all. Like my mom had somehow figured out how to mother through it and show up for us and be present and loving even when she felt like garbage. And so when I read your outline and your takeaways about parenting from the couch, I just knew that this was something that I wanted to talk about and that I hope other moms can relate to no matter what their current health issue or reason that they are not feeling their best is. So I just wanted to start by saying thank you for coming on and sharing something that's really personal to you.
0: Yeah, thanks for having me. That is exactly where I got this idea from because I was Mm. that parent on the couch and I've been through the months of fatigue where you want Mm. to learn how to maintain your relationship with your kids, while still getting the rest that you need.
1: Yeah. Oh, totally. And I also think this conversation is so applicable for so many situations. Maybe you just have a really bad flu or something or you're pregnant and you're really sick. I think that is a huge one that a lot of women face. That was the first time that I had to learn how to parent from the couch was when I was pregnant with my daughter, I was so sick and my son's adopted. So I had never experienced that before. And so it was a unique experience to have a toddler, but to be having my first experience with morning sickness and pregnancy. And it was really discouraging on top of feeling physically crappy, I felt emotionally bad because of the mom guilt and the stress and not knowing how to be the mom I wanted to be for him while literally needing to be in my bed most of the day. So I just know so many moms listening are going to relate to your takeaways and are going to appreciate them so much. Mm -hmm. So why don't we start with a little bit of context first? Do you want to tell us a little bit about your story, how you came to these takeaways, and then we'll go into the takeaways?
0: Okay. So I was diagnosed with rectal cancer right before 2020, so I went through my treatments, my radiation, a surgery, and chemotherapy during the year when everybody was locked down. Oh um, my gosh, my kids at that time, they were eight, six, three, and one. So mm. a lot of my takeaways are with the little kids on how to Entertain, Mm. take care of them, and just make it through that time when you are stuck on the couch for weeks or months at a time.
1: Mm. Yeah. And again, I just really relate to your story because my sisters and I were eight, six, and three when my mom was diagnosed with breast cancer. And she went through a bone marrow transplant. She was in the hospital for three months. We lived with grandparents during that time. And then had all of the treatment after, I mean, and now as a mom myself, I often just think, how did she do that? Like mothering littles is hard anyway. And then you add this on and you had a baby, you had a one-year-old yeah, a toddler on top of it. So I'm so excited to learn from you. Let's just get started with your first takeaway.
0: Okay. My first takeaway is to set short, intentional time with your kids. So I would warn my kids in the morning. I'd be like, mommy's not feeling very well. I need rest today, but I still want to spend quality time with you. And every couple of hours, I would set a time and try to give each child the attention that they need. And that way, after I gave them that time, they would go run off and play on their own or play together. And then I could get that rest. So I would Mm -hmm. suggest when you do this, to plan your time with them on the couch, to do something that requires very little physical effort and very little mental effort. The brain fog is real when you are stuck on the couch for whatever reason. Mm-hmm. So for example, for my baby, he was one years old, so he really liked to cuddle. So I would just call him over on my lap and I'd say, let's practice your words. And we would do like baby sign language he would do milk with me for a little bit. And then after a couple of minutes, he would go scamper off. Or for my daughter, she was six. She really likes gymnastics. And so I would say, can you come show me three of your tricks? And then she'd mm. show me three of her tricks before she would go run off. And they knew that I would call them back in after so much time to give them more attention that they would need. Mm.
1: Kind of their one-on-one time. That's so beautiful. It almost makes me teary-eyed thinking about my mom and just the love that you had for them and the ways that you were thinking proactively. What can I do to connect with them when I have so little to give? I remember my mom playing board games with us in her hospital bed. We'd come visit her when she had her bone marrow transplant when she was out of isolation. And she would just set up a little like a, you know, one of those tables that swings over your hospital bed and We'd have almost travel size little board games and she'd put them on there and we'd play them. I remember her reading books to us from bed. And even if you don't have the energy to read aloud, you could do an audiobook and say like, I really want to listen to this book with you. And this can be our special book and we'll lay together and listen to it for 15 minutes. And those are the types of things that my mom did that always let me know that I was a priority even when she wasn't feeling good
0: yeah I think those are great ideas. A lot of times when you're not feeling well mentally along with it, being able to listen to an audiobook, a podcast, or even just your child's favorite songs for a little bit, I think those are great ways that you guys can bond together mm-hmm. and along with the games, we would do like rock paper scissors or something just where you didn't need anything, so I could even be laying mm-hmm. down and it would still work where we could play games and you know kind of had fun. <laughs>
1: It's like a little hand game. Yeah. yeah. And were you really scheduled with this? Like, did you set a timer and or was it more organic depending on who you felt needed the attention that day?
0: I would work with each kid on how much attention they needed at the time. So like my one-year-old would need more attention. It would depend on the day how organically it happened. So like if I saw them passing by, I could call them over to me. And I don't think I had to actually schedule it so much as to just—I was consciously aware that I haven't spent that much time with my eight-year-old. I need to call him in.
1: Mm-hmm. I think at the heart of this takeaway is the idea that quality time is as important as quantity of time, and that you were really, really present with them for those few minutes, and then they went off and played while you rested. And. Such a blessing to have siblings in that situation. They probably did a lot of playing together. I think that's when my sisters and I would make up plays and dances and we kind of ran wild, but we had each other and my mom let us build our own relationships with each other during that time, which was a real blessing, which was something that was hard when I was pregnant with my daughter because Noah didn't have a little playmate. So I was it. And I do remember we did utilize screens more than I would have normally. And that's okay. And I want to give moms that permission. There were times when I felt so guilty about the amount of screen time that he was having. That was a season of our life. It was a survival season. And after I was feeling better, he doesn't have that much screen time anymore. It's like, look at the big picture of your child. Maybe for this month or few months or year even, they're having kind of an excessive amount of screen time. It's not going to be that way forever if you know your intention to change it once you're out of that survival season. And it's good to know that not all screen
0: time is equal either. Mm, You can make sure they're mm -hmm. watching some educational stuff in there.
1: Totally. Yeah. If you are feeling a lot of guilt around it, one good thing to do would be to just brainstorm, okay, what shows would make me feel less guilty or what apps or whatever are somewhat educational? Make a list and then tell them, this is our list of what's acceptable screen time. Mm -hmm. So there's definitely ways to utilize it in intentional ways. Let's take a quick break to thank this episode's sponsors. This episode is sponsored by Ritual, a multivitamin company passionate about helping you start and maintain daily rituals that will bless your life and physical body. If you're in the middle of a difficult season and doing lots of parenting from the couch, as we're discussing in this episode today... It may feel darn near impossible to have solid routines to meet all of your physical health needs. That's why I love the simplicity of ritual vitamins. I take the multivitamin called Essential for Women 18+, and it's such a simple step to boost my daily wellness. I just take two vitamin capsules once a day, with or without food, and I feel good knowing that this is a clinically-backed multivitamin for women with high-quality and traceable key ingredients in clean, bioavailable forms. With nine key nutrients in two capsules per day, Rituals Essential for Women 18 Plus is one of the few women's multivitamins that's USP verified, meaning what's on the label is what's in the formula. It's also soy-free, gluten-free, vegan-friendly, and formulated without GMOs. I notice a difference in how I feel since starting to take Ritual vitamins consistently, and I'm grateful they make it so easy. Instead of striving for perfect health, aim for supporting foundational health. And great news, Ritual is offering my listeners 30% off during your first month. Visit ritual.com slash 3in30 to start Ritual or add Essential for Women 18 to your subscription today. This episode is also sponsored by BetterHelp Online Therapy. 2023 has brought one challenge after another for my family, sometimes all at the same time. I have found myself heavily leaning on the positive coping skills that I've learned in therapy over the years. Whether you're dealing with challenges around career, relationships, or anything else, therapy helps you stay connected to what you really want while you navigate life, so you can move forward with confidence and excitement. Therapy has taught me how to be kind to myself when I'm not feeling like myself, and I'm anchored to the knowledge that I will get through whatever challenge I'm facing, and there will still be good days in between the hard ones. If you've ever thought of trying therapy, I highly recommend starting with BetterHelp. It's entirely online and designed to be convenient, flexible, and suited to your schedule. Start by filling out a brief questionnaire to get matched with a licensed therapist. And don't forget you can switch therapists anytime for no additional charge. In this season of giving, give yourself what you need with BetterHelp. Visit BetterHelp.com 3in30 today to get 10% off your first month. That's BetterHelp, H-E-L-P dot 3in30. Then what's your second takeaway for us?
0: My second takeaway is to rotate the activities to do and the rooms to play in. So the goal is to keep them engaged all day so they're not bored and you're not working as their entertainer. This will help the day go by quicker than if everybody's in on the couch sitting there all day. Whining. Right. (laughs) (laughs) I know it sounds kind of weird that you would limit their access to stuff But I think in the long run, it it helps set up their day for success because then they're not jumping from one thing to the next, to the next, and kind of getting overwhelmed with all of their toys. And when you hide something away for a little bit and then you bring it back out, it feels new for longer. So Mm. my example with this is when I was going through my radiation treatment, I was at the hospital for 10 minutes a day, but I was gone for about an hour a day. So I would be feeling okay in the morning and then maybe not so great in the afternoon. I would tell Mm -hmm. them beforehand, mommy's not going to be feeling very great when I get home. So I would have certain tubs of toys and I'd be like, I need you to go get out this tub of Play-Doh or sand or Legos. And when I get home, you're going to play with this for a set amount of time and then we'll go do something else. Mm -hmm. And for this kind of thing, I would set a timer. Because normally I would wait until they're kind of disengaged to move them on to the next thing. Mm. But when I was in survival mode, I wanted it to be a shorter amount of time to where I could stop what they were doing and move them on to the next thing before they hit that moment of not wanting Mm. to play with it anymore. And if they did like it, we could bring it back out the next day and that would be fine. Mm. Um, And I do recommend a few things that are good to alternate. During the rotating, I'd alternate the energy level of the activity you do. So go from playing with Play-Doh to doing a sport outside, any high activity to a low activity is good. Mm. And then also alternating what motor skills are using. So go from using the fine motor skill with coloring or like a gross motor skill, like hula hooping. And then we would also alternate within the screen time that we did. So I would pick like an educational video for them to watch, but then I would kind of give them commercials by playing a brain break action video every so often. I would just pause their show, put on a brain break video for them to do for five minutes and let them get up and exercise. And then I would say, let's sit back down and finish the video. So they would kind of stretch out the educational mm. video with some exercise.
1: Yeah. Yeah. That's brilliant. I love this idea of giving them set activities and almost kind of keeping it special. Like they don't always have access to the Play-Doh. So maybe it's a little more special thing. I have a whole episode on my show and we'll link it in the show notes about how to get your kids to do a quiet time. And I was religious about this when they were little and my kids are super strong-willed and they did it because I taught them how to do it. We started small and worked up to it, but they did a two hour quiet time after they gave up naps. They moved into quiet time and they learned to play independently in their room for two hours. But we had special toys that were only quiet time toys that were really fun and special. And we started small. I didn't expect that they could do two hours immediately the first time I ever introduced quiet time. But it was a lifesaver for me as a mom of littles. And especially if you're a mom who doesn't feel good to be able to know that after lunch, you can take a long nap while they do their two hours of quiet time. And when we did it, it was screen free. I wanted them to do two hours of independent playtime. And then I felt good about them having a movie or something after. So that really stretched out my afternoons when I wasn't feeling well or different things where I knew the afternoon was going to be easier on me because of some of these routines I'd built in. So I really appreciate this takeaway. And I also want to add that if you are in it already, Like you are already going through cancer treatments or you are already in the midst of something really difficult. And the idea of sort of coming up with a schedule or a routine or like organizing your toys in a way that will be beneficial is really overwhelming. Maybe ask for some help or bring in a friend and say, could you help me? Could you come up with some like stations that my kids could do or could you organize my toys a little bit better so that I could pull one bin out at a time for my kids so that it's not such a free for all because the mental load of kind of figuring some of the stuff out is pretty intense. So I just wanted to speak to that. If anybody listening is thinking that sounds great, but I'm barely surviving, get some help. And I think that actually leads really well into your third takeaway as well.
0: Right, and it does. And preparation is all about my third takeaway here. It's prepare a community support before you're a couch mom, mm-hmm.
1: if possible. Right, <laughs> right.
0: <laughs> so, um, I believe that God created us for a community to help and support each other. And you're probably going to be a couch parent at some point, whether it's through an injury or surgery or rest- Sickness, feeding- just
1: an yeah, illness. illness,
0: just waking up sick one day or breastfeeding your new baby. Whatever it is, or you've probably known somebody who is a couch parent who you would be willing to help. I recommend preparing now. So I've got two steps for this one. Step one is all the people. Think of all the people that you know, your family, your friends, people from college, your son's baseball team, people you volunteer with, the babysitter and her friends. And then narrow down your list with who lives nearby who are those people who you could call at three in the morning who would help you? Who are the people who, if they knew you were going through something, they would say, let me know if there's anything you need. They mean it. They want to help you. That's why they're saying, let me know. They don't know what you need, but now's the time that you could think about what you might need, which leads me into my second step, which is all the things. So when you're feeling well, you can write down all the things that you do every day or every week, you know, like watching your kids, making lunch, cleaning up, driving yourself to doctor's appointments or your kids to places, everything to do with food, planning meals. And then I would merge your list together and assign tasks to each person. Give each person about three tasks that you think they might be willing to help you with. Give each task at least three people in case somebody is not able to help you with it. That way, when you're in the middle of that brain fog or feeling sick and stuck on your couch, you remember, oh yeah, so-and-so just lives on the street. I haven't talked to them in a couple of months, but they might be willing to help. Mm -hmm. For me, this was when I was preparing for my surgery to remove my cancer. We knew that was coming months in advance. I had to do radiation before I was allowed to have my surgery. So I worked with a friend from church and we made a list of who would help me watch my kids. I had three weeks of people set up couple people in the afternoons, couple people in the morning. I had a friend who was scheduled to come over and help make lunch. A different friend scheduled to come clean up after lunch. One of the things we did was make a meal train. I think those are very popular that people do whenever Mm -hmm. somebody's going through something. So I would recommend planning for that beforehand. Think of your family, your food allergies that you have, your family's likes and dislikes, and include what kind of snacks and drinks you like also. And if you have all that just saved in an email ready to go, you can send that off to a friend who's willing to make that food train for you. Then maybe they can have a couple meals for you for the rest of the week.
1: Mm-hmm. Yeah, I love this idea of recruiting community support. I recently had an experience where it wasn't so much that I was physically incapacitated as more emotionally We've had a really hard year and one of my kids has had a really scary, unexpected health thing come up the last couple months. They are fine. They're going to be okay. But when we were first figuring it out, I felt emotionally incapable of dealing with my life. I felt so sad and down. And I was texting with Christy, who's my podcast producer, my director of operations. She's my right-hand woman in my business. She's so organized and capable. And I just said, I just wish you were my neighbor because I know you would come help me. Like you would manage this chaos for me. And she said, I would be there in a heartbeat. She lives in a different state. And then I said, and I just wish my sisters lived near me. I just need a sister. And so I was kind of having a little bit of a pity party. I was feeling like I'm capable of doing the task. Like I'm not physically unwell right now, but I just wish that I had emotional support, someone to come and do it with me. Like I'm just lonely and I want to talk to someone and I'm sad. and. I sort of had to challenge myself that like, even though maybe my very best friends don't live in this town, my sisters don't live in this town, Christy doesn't live here. I have people in this town that love me and that are willing to help. And it's incredibly vulnerable to ask for it. But I did it. I texted one of my good girlfriends. I sat and I thought about it. And I'm like, who do I know would want to be there for me right now and would Be willing to come help me. And I texted my really good girlfriend, Tana, and she knew a little bit about what was going on with my child. And I just said, I'm just feeling really sad and down, and I need a sister, and I don't have one here. Could you come over and just be with me and help me tomorrow? And she was like, Absolutely. And she came over, and we did the laundry together. We cleaned my kitchen. We talked. She gave me lots of ideas for easy meals. It was exactly what I needed, but it took an incredible amount of bravery and vulnerability to just reach out and say, I could use some support. And would you be willing to do that for me?
0: Yes. I think that's great that you were willing to accept help. Sometimes that's the hardest part of being a couch. And
1: and not just accept it, it, ask for it. Yeah. And ask for it. Yeah. Because sometimes when... People offer, okay, I'll accept, but to have to go out of your way and say, I am struggling and I need help is like, it's, it's hard.
0: Yes. But you have people and they want that opportunity to bless you and your family and they want to be your support just as much as you want them to be your support. Mm -hmm.
1: And Tana sort of said that after she was like, I was so honored that you would ask me, like I was honored to be the person you would call. And this was so fun for me too, to just to get to come and be with you and help you. And so I just hope that everybody listening, I I hope there is someone that you know that you could reach out to and they don't have to be your very best friend or somebody that you see all the time. I wish I saw Tana a lot more than I generally see her, honestly. But I just knew when I thought about it, I knew she was someone who would want to support me. And I hope that everybody listening can think of at least a handful of those people, no matter how well you know them, that you know would want to help you if you were ever in a really hard situation.
0: Yeah, I think it's great to have that community around you and be there for each other and just any any sort of kindness that you can do, especially when you know a college parent. And, and I do want to say to your listeners that, If you are going through something, just reach out to anybody. Mm -hmm. And even if they're unavailable, they might just give you some words of encouragement that you need to hear.
1: Mm -hmm. Yeah. Even if Tana couldn't have come over that day, she would have sent me lots of encouraging words and love, and that would have helped me too. And that is something I feel like both when I was really, really sick, when I was pregnant with Sally, but then in the years since, I've had chronic kidney stones. I've had times where I've had to spend a lot of time in bed and you start to feel really down. And I would often just need to text someone just to be like, I'm really sad and I just need some encouragement. And it was a number of different people. Like it wasn't always the same person. So I didn't feel like I was always draining the one person that is like I'd text different friends or people and they'd send me a funny meme or I just needed to know I wasn't alone when I was feeling so low.
0: Right, I think sometimes it is having many people work together as a group, maybe they can only help you for 10 minutes. But if you have five people who can help you for 10 minutes, like that's going to make a huge impact on helping you feel better and connected to your friends.
1: Hmm. Absolutely. Well, this has been a beautiful conversation, Amy. And I can tell you are just an incredibly intentional, purposeful mom. And your kids are so lucky to have you and Thanks. so lucky to have a mom that in the midst of all of the stuff you were going through, you were still thinking about how to support and love them. I know from personal experience, the impact that you will have on your children and the way that they will look back and remember how you showed up for them, even when things were so hard for yourself. So I just think you're amazing. And I know you've written a book. Do you want to tell us about your book and anywhere else if people want to reach out or connect with you?
0: Um, Yeah, so my book is called God Above Cancer, Faith When It's Ugly. It's available on Amazon if you want to purchase it. And it goes through my diagnosis of rectal cancer. 2020 is when that was through that treatment. And I think it covers about two years of my life during that time.
1: That's beautiful. And obviously from a faith-based perspective. So your book is God Above Cancer, and we'll make sure to link that in the show notes. And I'm just so thankful for your time and for sharing these really impactful takeaways. I know women in this community are going to need them. So thank you so much, Amy. Thanks for having me. That was such a special conversation for me as I remembered my mom and connected with a mom who's walked a similar road. And I just want to put this out there. If you are a mom who is undergoing cancer treatments right now, will you email me and introduce yourself? I would like to send you one of my Flex of Gold journals as an encouragement to keep going during this difficult battle. It makes me feel closer to my mom when I'm able to support women fighting cancer in even the smallest way. And you can reach out at any time to hello at 3 30 podcastcom And I just hope you know that I truly mean it when I say that you are a warrior and I am praying for you and rooting for you. And for everyone who's listening, whether you're battling a big illness like cancer or you just have a bad cold or you're super nauseous in pregnancy or your mental health is not great right now, I'm just so sorry that it's hard right now. And I just really hope that Amy's three takeaways will help you to feel a little bit better emotionally as you are parenting from the couch. So here are Amy's three takeaways to help. First, set short intentional time with your kids. Every hour or two, ask your children to come to you on the couch or in bed and give them a few minutes of focused attention. Play a finger game or I Spy, listen to an audiobook together, ask them to show you a trick they can do, or even just watch a show together that you both enjoy. Just letting your kids know that you care about them and are focused on them and only them for a few minutes will help you to get through a survival mode season without losing your relationship. Second, rotate activities. Young kids don't need access to the entire house or all of the toys at the same time, or they'll lose interest pretty quickly. By rotating where they are and what they're allowed to do, you can set their days on a path of entertaining themselves for a majority of the time. Consider setting up stations or bins that are only pulled out at certain times and try to vary the energy levels of the activities each time they switch. So they might do 20 minutes with the Play-Doh bin and then spend 20 minutes jumping on the tramp outside, then come inside and snuggle with you and watch a 20-minute show. If it feels overwhelming to you to come up with a system like this, maybe ask a friend to do it for you and even to come over and help the first day to help your kids get into a good rhythm. Which leads perfectly into our last takeaway. Recruit community support. Your friends and family want to help you. Most of them would be honored if you asked them. But it takes bravery to admit that you're struggling and to risk inconveniencing someone. Amy says that the first step is to make a list of all the people. Go through your friend list on social media and contacts in your phone. Write down everyone in your family, neighborhood, church, book club, friends from college, kids' baseball team, PTA, whatever. Anybody who might be willing to help you if you're not well. Then second step, make a list of all the things. What are 10 things you do daily or weekly that need to be done, but maybe could be done by somebody else if you're not doing well, such as Making lunches, watching the kids for an hour, folding a load of laundry, buying groceries, or driving carpool. Think about which tasks would be easiest to delegate and then look back at your first list and try to match people up to tasks. Who might be willing to help with what? And how can you get brave and ask them? This kind of creativity and vulnerability might feel like a stretch, but I have found that it deepens my relationships when I serve a friend or they serve me. So give your people this chance. And I have to add that I love Amy's idea of making these lists proactively in advance of having a big health or another type of crisis, because hard times will inevitably come, and it might give you peace of mind to already know that you have some people to turn to if you ever get into a crisis. And I want to end by asking, if you have a friend who you know is struggling with health issues right now, will you send her this episode along with some reassurance that you're there to help her if she needs it? As women, we need each other, especially when we are struggling. And I love the idea of an army of 3 and 30 listeners getting out to support our mom friends this week. I just want to say that I'm cheering you on in whatever you're going through right now. If you're listening to this episode on The Week It Goes Live, it's mid-December, which can be an exhausting time of year for moms, whether or not they're dealing with health issues. So keep on keeping on, my friend. And as always, have a beautiful week with your family.